Okay. You guys ready? Cool. So uh, we're in Colossians 4. We'll go wrap this, uh, this book up and uh, then go from there. I don't know what we'll talk about next week yet. Um, but I want to... I want to kind of do a little recap. We've covered a lot in these last three weeks. Yeah? Here's a couple of the highlights. Hey, here's a little highlight reel. <laughs> so, connection with Jesus is a need, not a want. Okay? This is going to just be bullet point little one-liners, Okay. Our goal is to raise up and send out to advance Jesus. It's not what we know, but knowing the person of Jesus. God's word is not just for our information, but our transformation. Spiritual knowledge is a means to life change, not your ego. If we don't know the truth of Jesus, we will be persuaded. Jesus is everything or nothing. God removes the old and instills the new. Doing the right things doesn't change a heart. Living with Jesus only does that. Holy Spirit's work inside of us must overflow out of us. Living from an eternal mindset equals living displaying Jesus. A Jesus follower's real home is where Jesus is. Living a life of repentance is a must. Do away with old self, especially lying. Your faith in Jesus equals conduct on earth. And Jesus builds bridges. Alrighty? So, tonight we're going to start in, um, in chapter 3, verse 22. And it's just so it makes sense for what we're going to kind of talk about tonight. Okay? And this is really just Paul's sign-off letter. Um, sign-off in the letter. Um, just kind of summarizing everything and uh, put some importance on a couple things that we will cover. Alrighty? So, chapter 3, verse 22. Let me turn there too. Three twenty-two. Where, okay. Ready? Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not in a way of eye service as people pleasers, but with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for he, oh sorry, Verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back with the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Partiality meaning favoritism. Um, verse 1 in chapter 4. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Okay, so first he's addressing slaves. And what we kind of need to understand um, is culture back then. Okay? Um, slaves has a very negative connotation in American culture for obvious reasons, but um, back in in the in this culture, it wasn't as negative as it, it as it was in our day. Um, slave outright just means worker. 
okay? I'm just going to make this really, really simple. If you want more depth, then ask me to go to coffee. But um, slaves equals workers. Slaves is like cared for with food and shelter by their owners. Okay? Yes, it is still ownership, and that's the weird part. But, hey, they were cared for. They were actually looked apart as family when you were a slave. Okay? It's kind of a beautiful thing. So the negative connotation that you have in your mind right now, eliminate it. All right? For the sake of this message. When you're in history class or around America, then you can... You can add that negative connotation because it was very negative. But in this culture, it wasn't. It was actually a part of a family. They had these people come in. They fed them. They gave them shelter and invited them into their family. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay? Okay? Cool. And while we're talking about this word slaves, I need you to keep that mindset. Okay? I need you to have that cultural background. If you don't, you're going to be very confused. Okay? So, back in the culture, as I was saying, they were part of the family to their quote-unquote owners. Um, And and I think it's really cool just to kind of draw some parallels um, in this is Paul always addressed his letters as, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Right? You can look at that in Philippians. I am a bond servant. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Okay? Paul, servant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Jesus. Um, that word servant is a Greek word called doulos. Doulos. It doesn't mean much, but I wanted, I'm sharing it because it does have something to do with it. That word doulos translates into servant slash slave. That's what Paul is always addressing himself as. I am Paul, a doulos of Jesus Christ. A servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, So who has a job in this room? Everybody have a job? Benji, you don't have a job? Nice. Score. You want to trade lives? (laughs) You don't want. Okay? So... If you work or if you maybe even volunteer somewhere, you have somebody who's over you, right? You have a boss. You have a leader. You have a manager. And, that, um, and then that person has a boss and that person has a boss and on and on it goes, especially with however big your company is, okay? It's the way everything is kind of designed. Everybody has a boss or manager, Okay, so when we read this, I want to shift our lens from the negative connotation of slave in our American culture to be actually someone a part of the family for this this story. Okay, remember that. So in verse 22 through 25 in chapter 3, Paul's urging the slaves to work hard as though their master is Jesus himself. Right? Okay, not in a glorifying manner, but in honor and respect. How far does it get you to be disrespectful to your boss? It doesn't get you very far, right? How far does it get you not to give honor to your boss? That doesn't get you very far, right? But when you show respect and give honor to your boss, there will be increase. Correct? 
So not in a glorifying manner. If you glorify your boss or manager, I'm sorry, you're actually worshiping man. Okay? Um, it's a fine, fine line. Very, very fine line. Right? Just like in leadership roles. Right? If you actually, if um, Blake, for instance, he started glorifying me, he would actually be magnifying me instead of God. But no, Blake just respects me. Right? I hope. Okay, <laughs> so how does this rep- apply to us? I'm so glad you asked. Um, if Paul, an apostle by the will of God, is okay calling himself a slave to Jesus, we should be also. Okay, um, I ju- just like we kind of talked about last week of this eternal living, we need to live in this manner. Yes, obey those who are above you, not with eye service or external services, because that's when we begin to please man, but serve in sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. What's this mean? That means no ill motive. That means no agenda. That means no compromise. And then whatever you do, do your work heartily, knowing that Jesus will receive His glory. Do you understand that Jesus should receive more glory than just the glory you give Him when you worship? He should actually be glorified by your entire life. Does that make sense? Great. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah, the difference between someone who does good for man and for God is where their reward is. Okay? The difference between someone who does good for man or for God Sorry, I read it wrong. Let me try it one more time. The difference between someone who does good for man and for God is where their reward is. When we serve the Lord wholeheartedly, it will spill into all areas of our lives and we receive a reward of inheritance because it is Jesus we ultimately serve. Correct? So if you get lazy at work, you're actually being lazy before God Almighty. As bummer as that sounds, we're supposed to do all things unto the Lord. Correct? Yes. You know, like we talked about earlier in this, in this series, Jesus is not just a bolt-on. He's not something we can just attach to our lives. He actually changes our lives. Correct? And we then do everything unto Him. So if we get lazy at work, we're actually being lazy to God. Why? Because you are a servant of Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. Jesus was a carpenter. What kind of furniture do you think he made? Stuff that was at Ikea or restoration hardware? Really, really good stuff. Restoration hardware kind of quality, right? What's the restoration? Oh, dang it. I, do you know what restoration hardware is? She said like American furniture warehouse. What is it? Barrel one? Creighton Barrel? Like Ron Swanson level? Look up, look up Restoration Hardware if you really want to drool at some nice, nice furniture. If you're there, not right, there, now. It, just, not not right now. Honor it, don't It's beautiful, beautiful furniture. It's well crafted, it's durable. It's not IKEA where you can twist something and ta da. Okay? Jesus did things in excellence, He didn't just make something to get by. He didn't just work to get by. Jesus was always doing excellent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Where are we at on that? 
do I bring excellence in worship? And then when it comes to other areas, I'm not as excellent. Do I bring excellence with where I understand Jesus and then other areas, not so much? It's across the board. He made things with excellence. Right? Cool. If you follow Jesus, do your work heartily for Jesus, not for man. Do you understand that we work for Jesus? Jesus is our boss, as our manager, as our leader. Correct? Heartily is like heartfelt. Yeah, like with your full heart. Yeah. In verse 25, let me just read it real quick. Verse 25 says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. If you're lazy or lack drive or lack motivation, there will be a consequence. Do you understand that the work you do here on earth, you're actually going to be held accountable for? How do I apply this to you guys? Your schoolwork. You're still in school. How much you are putting into that work is actually going to be taken into account on Judgment Day. I'm not lying. This is what this says. I wish I knew this. Or else I probably would have done better at school. I'm serious. I didn't know this. I never heard this before. Right? So, if you're lazy, lack drive, lack motivation, there will be a consequence. And he will ask me, hey, why didn't you give your full? Why didn't you give your excellent to this area? Huh? Okay. I remember being a kid, my parents modeled, uh, modeled justice so perfectly. You know, with consequence, there has to be justice, you know? And so fast, you know, we are people who want justice, right? Somebody does wrong to you, you want, hmm, right? Yeah. I remember being a kid, my parents modeled this so perfectly. If I did what I was told to do, I would receive a reward. It's the way it worked in my house. But if I did it halfway or I was late to do it, I would receive consequences. This is the way the Lord works as well. If I do what I'm told in an efficient manner and in a timely manner when I'm asked to do it, there's going to be inheritance, a reward. But if I drag my feet on it, what's, there's going to be a consequence. Delayed Correct. Delayed obedience is disobedience. The same way goes with our God. If He asks us to do something, be prompt. Be quick. Don't drag your feet. Don't wait too long. Right? I've been, I... I talked about this concept with um, maybe some of the guys of you know whenever I get a word from the Lord I always ask him when do you want me to share it when do you want me to share it because sometimes it's not just like okay I'm gonna zoom I got a word cool I'm gonna share it sometimes it's really important to ask God when right slow down take the second and say when right if you rush something even if it's good, it's not going to be good. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. If I rush to put something together, even if it is well constructed, it still will fail. 
But if I wait and I take my time on it, it's probably destined for success. That makes sense? It's like letting a route develop like on a slant or something. Yes. Let your receiver get to the spot where they're supposed to get the ball. You don't throw it right out the bat. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good the throw is. Yeah. Timing is essential when it comes to the kingdom of God. Okay? Um, Ephesians 6, um, 7 says, Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Isn't that cool? I just, I just like that. Okay, so verse 1. Now it kind of shifts and talks to the masters, right? So it covered the servants. Everybody okay with the servants? Everybody okay with being a slave to Jesus? Yes. Good. You should get on board with that because it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, right? Slaves don't think on their own. They wait for their master to speak. Yes? Yeah. Cool. Okay. And now... Now it talks about masters. Who's in a leadership role here? Anybody else? Who has influence? There we go. Cool. So you're in a leadership role. Okay? Influence equals leadership. Do you understand that? I think that's a, that's a very key, key thing. If you have influence, you have to understand that people are actually watching what you're doing. And if you're not living well or leading well, you're actually leading them astray, which we'll talk about in a second. Okay? Now, talks about masters. Um, and remember, being a leader, it says be fair and be just in verse 1. Right? Be fair and be just. Fair and just. Just is... Making sure that you weigh everything. Right? God is just. Correct? He's not just this hippie in the sky who says, Oh, grace, grace, grace. No, he actually has justice as well. Right? And he has no partiality like it says. No favoritism like he says. Right? Cool? Ultimately, uh, yeah, ultimately, if you are a leader, you need to lead in a way of being led. Does that make sense? Okay, if I'm not being led first, there's no way I can lead. Remember, all good leaders are led first. If you're a leader at any capacity, you have to first be led by Jesus in order to be a good leader. This is essential. If you want to be a good leader and use your influence well, you have to rely on Jesus. If you're not, I'm sorry, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of that influence that the Lord has given you. Do you understand that everything comes from the Lord? Right? Especially when it comes to increase. With increase comes influence. With influence comes leadership. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. Any questions so far? So what do we cover? Be excellent in all that you do. Don't half-ass anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yes. Don't do anything halfway. Go all out. Right? Even if you're down by 60, go all out still. Right? Don't give up. Don't give up. 
because there is a chance that you can come back and be within three points. Football yeah. <laughs> unless it's been a, unless it's been a Super Bowl against Tom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 Ouch. <laughs> okay. Back to the word. <laughs> Verse two through six. Ready? Okay. Verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay. Ready? Our prayers only go as deep as our faith. Did you hear that? Our prayers only go as deep as our faith. What does that actually mean? If I have a lot of faith for something, how am I going to pray? With confidence. confidence And a lot. Right? Not just once. Not just twice, a lot. If I have little faith over something, how is that prayer going to sound? Weak and once. Huh? Weak and once. Yeah. And it's probably going to just hit the ceiling. Right? Unless you're outside, then it'll probably hit the clouds. Thanks, Katie. Okay. <laughs> our persistence is an expression of our faith. If we truly believe that God answers prayer, our prayer life should take that same stance. Right? I think that's beautiful. Paul tells us to devote and be alert in prayer. Right? Devote, a.k.a. continue steadfastly. Be alert, be watchful. Yes? Depending on what translation. I... I do this thing where I prepare in the NASB and then I read out of the ESV. I don't know why I do it. Because <laughs> everything's different. I know, that's why I like preaching out of it. Whatever. So, Paul tells us to devote and be alert in prayer. What's that word devote mean? It means to commit, to apply, to dedicate, To surrender. To surrender? Oh, okay. That's cool. What's alert mean? Be observant, wide awake, attentive, and on guard. Paul didn't write, you could try. (laughs) You could try to devote and be alert in prayer and see if God shows. He almost spoke this as if it was a command. Almost a plea. Saying, devote yourself to this. Be alert in this and pray. Do you understand that prayer shouldn't and should never be our last resort? Do you understand that? Did you hear me? Mm -hmm. Prayer should never be our last resort. It's not when your friend's advice doesn't work. It's not when your leader's advice doesn't work. It's not the final straw. It should be the first thing that we devote ourselves to. Right? Especially if we're in a 
in a storm. <laughs> Y'all are so dramatic. Actually, it's called a desert. Gosh, you guys are so dramatic. Wait, why are you talking about it? Yeah. yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Put your big boy pants on. Big girl pants on. And pray. I'm sorry. Nothing is too big for the Lord. Okay? I want to erase this mentality of I'm in a bad season. Shut up. Please, shut up. I'm done with it. There's no seasons. Just outside. It just gets cold and it gets warm. It rains sometimes, it snows sometimes. When you follow the Lord, it's constant. If you're devoting yourself to prayer, and if you're being alert with the Lord. Okay? If I say I'm in a season, it's my own fault. Did you hear me? I've said it before, too. It's my own fault. I'm picking on me, too. Okay? It's, this, it's just this thing that's thrown around all the time. I'm in this, just in this dry season. I'm like, no, shut up. Just spend time with the Lord. He says, if, if you're thirsty, I will give you a drink. And I am the living water. Yeah? He doesn't say, oh, you're, you're thirsty? Oh, bummer. I just ran out. I gave it all the Lex. Next season. Yeah. Next. Sorry, you have to wait for spring. That's when the rain comes. Right? No. You're, we're missing the point. If we are hungry, the Lord doesn't say, oh, sorry, harvest already passed. Can't, I don't have any food for you. No, He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if He can lead the Israelites through a desert, nobody's in a desert. Do you understand the Israelites had bread show up on their doorstep every single morning? That they actually had birds fly and die right in their camp so that they could eat. Do you understand that in that same story, he made water fly out of a rock so that they could drink? That's the God we serve. There's no dry season. Right? Israelites were woe is me people. Yeah? Moses was not. Do you think the Israelites got the breakthrough for all of those things? No, no, no. Yeah, so kind of like, they, they did not. They did not get the breakthrough. They only got to reap Moses' breakthrough for them. Do you understand that? That's a huge, huge point. If you have an Israelite whiny spirit, I can't, I, I cancel the assignment of that crap. It's bull crap. It's dumb. It's, it's so woe is me and victim mentality. We're called royalty in Christ. Did, do you understand that? Do you think royal people are hungry or thirsty? No. Only people who are hungry and thirsty are walking in their full identity. Israelites weren't walking in their identity of God's chosen people. Do you understand that? That's what they were called. The church of Laodicea, remember? Remember this church? It was the one who we're going to spew, yeah? You know that 
that name actually means God's chosen people? But they decided to work, work in the other half of their name, which means punishment. That's the two. That's the two words that make up Laodicea. Do you understand that? God's chosen ones or punishment. Which one did they walk in? Punishment. Why? Because they were dumb. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. We serve a kingdom bigger than us. If we don't look at the king, then we're just being dumb. All right. Cancel that. <laughs> That's good. One of my favorite pastors says that. I love that. Oh, man. Okay. Does that all make sense? Yes. Screw your season. Yeah? Yeah. Screw your season. Focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Okay, where was I? Here it is. Yes, Paul makes this plea to devote yourself to prayer. The ESV, like we, we saw, says steadfastly in prayer. And always in thanksgiving. Thankful to have a God who we can pray to right away. Thankful to have a God that is so close. We don't have to... Summon him. We get to just say, Jesus, thank you. That's it. Whether you're on the top of a building or in a cave. It's the way it is. Jesus, thank you. I can talk to you right now. I love it. I love him. Okay. Now, what's the mystery of Christ mean? We just read that, yeah? I'm not joking my notes, correct? Mystery of Christ, yeah, verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that door may be open to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. What's the mystery of Christ? Huh? The gospel, yeah. This Jesus is good news. Do you understand that this was Paul's whole focus? Since Acts 9, this is all he cared about? Was telling everybody about Jesus? Explaining it, preaching it, telling it? It's beautiful. Where do we land on that? Huh? Where do we land on that? Are we excited to share Jesus as much as we possibly can? Man, good. And then we see kind of another glimpse of Paul's heart here in verses 4 and 5. His hunger to see everyone fall in love with Jesus. And for him not to get in the way of the powerful message that he's about to speak. Right? Paul didn't say... Paul didn't, Paul didn't, didn't say, what parts of the gospel should I share to these people? Right? He didn't say, okay, what can I cut out? What can I, how can I exaggerate this point? He didn't say that, right? Sometimes we look at the gospel like that. How should I share it to these people? How, how would the Lord want me to present it was Paul's mentality, right? The gospel has power. Don't quench it. Don't compromise that message. 
Isn't it fascinating that Paul didn't pray for his release from prison, but he prayed for the right words to speak on behalf of Jesus? Right? Did you catch that he's in prison while he's writing this? But his cry is, pray for me so that I can speak boldly of who you are, Jesus. Wasn't, hey, release me. Right? I just think that's cool. I think it's really, really cool. When we tell each other, sorry, when we tell others about Jesus, it's important to use grace. Yes? It's kind of like we talked about earlier. Something can be really good, but if we don't use it properly, if we don't build it properly, if we don't present it properly, it will actually do damage. Yes? Like when you try to skip steps in an Ikea furniture building, it's not going to hold up as well. Right? It's the way it goes. Yeah, as trash. <laughs> what was the thing we tried to build? The, the, oh, the, the, what's that thing? The freaking... Uh, the, Nice. What's the thing called? The, the table. Yeah, the table with the cabinets. What's that called? Oh, the table with the uh, credenza buffet. buffet. Yeah, sure. That thing in there. We got bought, bought one from IKEA, and man, we just took a drill and a hacksaw to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That long to come up with that. Yeah. That Yeah. Buffet. You know. Yeah. Okay, so it's important to use grace. No matter how much sense the message makes, we can actually lose its effectiveness if we don't use grace. If you don't know, if you don't know grace, don't share the gospel. You'll actually do more damage. Okay? If you don't know how to be graceful, don't share the gospel. Just keep your mouth shut and let somebody else do it. Cool? Please? see she agrees okay next point I love salt I love salt salt huh yeah yeah the elements right that's the science one that's the only one I know I know F-E iron right yeah, nice. Yeah, I don't know why I remember that one. Whatever. I love salt. Okay? I absolutely love salt. I put salt on everything. And if you know me well, you know that I love salt. I put it on my popcorn's got salt, my steak's got salt, my corn's got salt, my edamame's got salt. You can't eat edamame you put salt. salt. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, just a little bit, a little seasoning before you cook it. Oh, before cook that. Whew, it's so good, you know? And if you don't like salt, we'll pray for you later. But um, when, <laughs> when we speak Jesus, it should provoke a longing for more. I don't put salt on something because I don't want that thing anymore. I put salt on something to enhance the flavor so I long for more. Yep. Right? Like, it, ew. have you ever had popcorn, unsalted popcorn? Yeah. My mom bought, oh, bless her soul. <laughs> oh, anything. Anything with salt. No, no, your food is salt. Sometimes I lick, yeah. 
Is that why you like climbing and mad so much? Because you get all that salt. I don't get it. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that, that's a joke. Cause but anyways. He doesn't like to sweat because he doesn't like to lose the salt. Yeah. Contain the salt. Contain the salt. <laughs> My mom bought this popcorn once that didn't have salt on it. It was unsalted, unbuttered. And I was so excited because there was popcorn in the pantry. And I fire this stuff up. It's pop, 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 pop. And I grab a handful. Through, and yeah, you know, I don't just like eat one popcorn kernel at a time like some loser. I eat freaking grab. Ah, right? And man, that was the worst day of my life. I ate that crap and it was like, ugh. Yeah. Like wet toilet paper. Like trying to do the saltine mixed with the cinnamon challenge. It's just yeah. the worst dry. dry. I would have rather been chewing on cardboard. Right? No salt. There was no salt on this popcorn. If you want to, do you want to really put me in a bad mood? Give me popcorn that doesn't have salt on it. I'm going to. This is part of my sermon. It's beautiful. I don't put salt on my food, so I don't want more. Salt makes me long for more. I don't just have one edamame with, with salt on it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. No, I pound edamame. Sometimes I just lick the salt off of it and throw the other, right? I love salt. Do you understand that we are actually called salt and light of this earth, yep. right? Matthew 5.13 says that we are salt of the earth. Let me actually read it. I tried to summarize it. Oh, look at that. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. We're called salt of the earth. That's why I like some of you guys more than others because you're actually... We're, uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> totally joking. Maybe. If that convicted you, you better pray on that. But if salt had no flavor, would we buy it and put it on our food? No. No. Be a huge waste of money. And why? <laughs> right? It's kind of like... I don't know. I couldn't think of something fast enough. Texture. Texture. Yeah. There would be no point of buying it. Same thing with us. Same thing with us. If we don't put a longing in someone else because of the saltiness that we live our lives in, then we're missing the point. And I know that we've created this, I'm salty. Forget that. Okay? Salty is not, I'm, I, oh, he made me salty. No, screw that. We're saying not like butter and salt. Yeah. It just ruined the whole connotation of this. Of what it actually is supposed to be. You know? We either create a longing in people's lives for Jesus or we lead them away from Jesus. Do you understand that? If I don't enhance somebody's life, then I'm worthless. I'm worthless. That's what Matthew 5 says. Don't don't be mad at me. Okay? That's what Matthew 5 says. I'm actually worthless and I should be thrown out on the street to be walked on. But... If I have my saltiness, I actually permeate through the entire earth. And that longing that's in me for Jesus actually makes, creates a longing in everybody around me for Jesus. Right? 
You've probably seen this firsthand in your life. I hope. Right? Because of my passion for Jesus, somebody said, I want that guy. Not me. That guy, Jesus. I want that guy. Some, hey, with the wife, what's the way it works? Just joking. I can't <laughs> But it's the way it goes. We are salt, so speak with saltiness like it speaks here. Salt enhances, it creates a longing for something. Correct? This is so important. Does that make sense? Yes. Does that put an urgency on your life? Yes. We're talking a lot about leadership and being slaves to Jesus and all of these kinds of concepts tonight. But when I am, when I am truly walking in the salt of who I'm supposed to be, I create something in somebody else's life so that they come to Jesus more, so that they get to see Jesus more. If I'm not walking in the obedience of who I'm supposed to be in Jesus, nobody's going to want anything to do with Jesus. Do you understand that? It's so, so important. If we don't put a longing in someone else because of our saltiness, then what is our use? Yeah. That's why in First Tim or Second Timothy, one of the Timothys, it talks about make sure that you are lifting up your home first. Be a leader in your home first. First Timothy, thank you. Be a leader in your home first. Why? Because it's so important. They live with you. They see you. Exactly. Exactly. It's where you are. Right? If your friend group is not being challenged by you, we need to take a, take a second. Who am I actually being? Right? I've lost countless friends because I believe in Jesus. I've lost a lot of friends. It's not something to brag about. It's actually something I'm pretty bummed about. Why? Because they didn't catch on fire. Right? It's actually a real tragedy in my life. There you go. Does that make sense? Not angry, but be salty. Have use. You're called the salt of the earth. And in that same chunk, it says you're the light of the earth. And I think it's really cool that those are two, they're paired together. The light analogy makes more sense to us sometimes. Because darkness can't stand when we're there. Right? Not only does it have to flee, but it also can't stand there. It can't be there. Right? If these lights weren't on, this room would be pitch black and be really spooky. Spooky. Okay? Verse 7 through 14. Ready? Oh, I got to get back. Here it is. Okay. So this is going to sound a little repetitive, but I'm going to read it anyway, okay? Seven. <sighs> I looked up how to say this word. I forgot. Or his name. Ty, Ty, Tychus? Huh? Tychus? Tychus? Ty. Ty will tell you all about my activities. He is my beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant. 
a.k.a. slave, in the Lord. I have, spent, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that, that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Verse 10. Man. Our, 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 whatever. My fellow prisoner greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. See the flip here, guys, who's been in um, the Acts study? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mark, remember Mark? He's the guy who uh, Paul was like, screw that guy. I don't want to go with him. Now look at what he's saying. Now look what he's saying. Kind of cool. Right? Okay. Anyways, sorry for those who you didn't feel included. Verse 11. And Jesus, who is, uh, who is called Justice, not Jesus, but Justice, yes, um, these are all, gee whiz, why am I struggling so much? These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow work, workers of the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Ephrus, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and those in Laodicea and Herapolis. Herapolis, yeah. Verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, yes, this is the Gospel of Luke guy, greets you as does Damas. What am I reading to? 14. 14. Great. That's what I did. Okay. Sorry, I suck at names. I will always suck at names. Unless the Lord anoints me with something. Thank you. Um, All of this is stating who and why. Who and why. Who and why. Over and over again. Correct? That's what that whole chunk was. Okay? Uh, You you probably need to reread it because I sucked at reading for a second there. And they were just really giving honors to the leaders in the church. Right? That whole thing was like, hey, trust this guy, trust this guy. He's one of you. He's a servant. He's a slave. That's great. Trust him. Welcome him. All these kinds of concepts was all in this chunk. Um, Also, I view this list of names as an encouragement to all of them, right? It's kind of encouraging hearing testimony and story of who these people are, right? It makes, makes me encouraged, right? When I hear stories of friends on the other side of the world, the baptisms and, and all these things are happening, it encourages me. It makes me feel like I'm not alone. Right? It makes me happy. It lifts my spirit. Right? Sometimes when we're surrounded by a bunch of crazy stuff going on, like what was happening in this church, it's good to be encouraged and know that you're not a psycho person. Right? Cool. I'm not insane. Verse 15, uh, one of my favorite verses in all Scripture. Ready? Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. It's one of my favorite verses. Why? Because back then, they did meet in houses. They did. 
Do you understand this? This is like a really big deal. Do you know that church buildings didn't come into effect until like the third century? Everything was in homes. Everything. By the breaking of the bread and fellowship and hanging out with each other and dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching, just like it says in Acts. This is still happening in this church. Right? Yeah, maybe that's a selfish plug for the home, but it shows that we're not weird. Yeah. Right? This is normal, especially when you're trying to rebuild something. Yep. Right? Especially when you're trying to rebuild something and putting Jesus back in Christianity. Oh, yeah. That just came out of my mouth. That sounded really weird coming out of my mouth, but it's true. Putting Jesus back in what it means to be a Christian. In a house. Grass and roots. It's beautiful. Okay, whatever. You guys don't think it's as cool. 16 to the end. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. And see that you have also read the letter from Laodicea. And say that Archippus, whatever, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Okay? So, verse 17. He urges this archer guy to make sure that he's completed the work that he received in the Lord. I believe that he's still saying this to every single person in this room. Make sure you finish well. Right? If you're an athlete, you've heard, finish strong, man. Finish strong. Yeah? Do it. Finish strong. You're an endurance runner. Right? You're an endurance runner. Yeah. Finish strong. Yeah. Just like the turtle and the rabbit. Finish strong. That's what this is saying. Finish strong. Strong. Sometimes we leave our work unfinished. Why? Because we get sidetracked. We get what we call burnt out. We get frustrated. We let it slide. And then we think somebody else will pick up the slack. I'm sorry, it's not for that somebody else. It's for you. Right? You know, what would happen... If I just had all this passion at the beginning for starting the home, and then I just said, meh. Wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be here. The change in your lives wouldn't have taken place. The prayers wouldn't have been answered. Right? This community would be nothing. These friendships that we've created, nothing. I wouldn't know 90% of you. I would only know Blake and Madison. I wouldn't know any of you guys. We would have never crossed paths. Right? And the change that's happened in you would have never been able to happen. Right? If I just said, well, somebody else will pick up the slack. It was a good idea. That was great, Lord. Very creative of you. <laughs> somebody else. Right? And no, I'm not tooting my own horn here. But at the end of the day, this is what it looks like. Right? This is what it looks like. And guess what? We're not finished. <laughs> We've only just begun. Right? That's a Barry Manilow song. 
We've only just begun. Beautiful song. Okay. Are you getting at? Are you getting at that? We could be to somebody what the home was to us. So don't leave it out there. Yeah. You have that same authority. Right? The work that I receive from the Lord is no different than the work that you receive from the Lord. Right? You just need to discover what your work is and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do with all that influence that has been entrusted with you. Right? If I took for granted the first minuscule amount of influence that I had in my faith walk, I would not be in this place today. Right? Why? Because in Isaiah, he prophesied that the double portion will be added. Right? One person said, I'm going to be influenced by you. Now, it's rippled. Correct? That's the way it goes. You guys have probably seen the same pattern in your life. And it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. Now, just be really, really careful and be very, very obedient in it and listen to Jesus all the more. Right? Okay. Um, what else? We have to be steadfast with the Lord. So in summary, kind of wrapping up this entire book, the Colossians, not the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, here's your summary of the Bible. Jesus. (laughs) There you go. To understand all of this book of Colossians, we have to remember that there were lies and false, false teachings kind of flaring up in the church. Remember when we talked about this four weeks ago? And Paul is urging and, what, uh, is urging and was urging us to stay steadfast. There's going to be weird things that flare up in the church, right? Paul says Jesus and Jesus alone are the source of our spiritual life, and he is the head of the church. Okay? Jesus is Lord of our spiritual and our physical realms. Do you understand that? He's Lord now, and He will be always Lord. Correct? Cool. Um, The path to Jesus is not through religious duties, special knowledge, or secrets. It's only through a connection with Jesus. Nothing can wedge a gap between us and Jesus. Unless we say yes to it. Okay? So stay salty, friends. Stay salty. (laughs) This is the bottom line. Our connection to Jesus is essential. And then all of these things that will flare up, have flared up, you'll know what is Jesus and what is not. Right? He's not in it. I don't want it. I just want him. That has to be our mentality. Okay? Questions? Why do you think in verse 16 it says, uh, um, when this letter has been Right among you, have they also read in the church of Laodicea and see that you read the letter from Laodicea? Is it like, why I was thinking is like, they have things to learn from this letter as well, but this is for you, 
but they can learn from it as well, and you can also learn from what they're doing. Correct. Through. Yep. Because what was happening in the Colossian church and in Laodicea was very, very similar. Right? They were very, very similar. And they were like, well, hey, this is a good letter. Let's continue. Just the same reason we're reading it today. You know? Want to make sure we're staying right with Jesus. You know? Making sure that nothing weird is happening. <laughs> you know? And saying, okay, if something is weird, okay, this is what Paul said about it. And I need to correct it. Right? I need to correct it right away. Just like we talked about last week of repentance, living, that kind of, living in a manner of repentance, living a life of repentance. So that we're always being corrected. Correct? Okay. You know, it's kind of cool. There's people all over the world who are doing the exact same thing as us. Meeting in homes. Fellowshipping with each other. Eating a lot with each other. Worshipping. You know... It's just a beautiful thing. And uh, I love it. I love that Jesus is cross-culture. He's not just, not just for America. I love it. Don't let anything wedge a gap between you and Jesus. Please. Okay? Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that uh, you still speak to us today. Thank you that you're not dormant, but that you're very, very active. Jesus, I pray that you would remind us of everything that we talked about tonight and for the past four weeks. pray that you would continually remind us of our connection to you being so essential. And would we never waver from that? Would we never, would we never move away from our connection with you, Lord? Would we just stay steadfast with you, devoting ourselves to prayer and staying alert at all times in our spirit? So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to correct us where we need correction, continue to minister to us where we need, where we need your, your, um, your minister, yeah, where we need your hand. I pray that you would just continue to have influence over our lives. And that, Lord, anything that's not of you, would it break off? Would it move away? And would we focus solely on you and all that you've done for us? And all focus on you as a person, not an ideology, I, uh, not a philosophy. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.